Miami Heat survived a furious comeback from the Jazz to end a three-game losing streak, and we'll give you our takeaways for the game before Nostra Dumwest returns for another round of infallible predictions. All that and more coming up next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Monday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. Nostradamus will be making his weekly predictions later in the show, and we'll talk about the possible sanctions from the NBA on Miami's alleged tampering charges. But we'll start off with a Game 4 of a five-game road trip Three straight losses, and this time without Jimmy Butler once again, who continues to nurse an ankle sprain injury and going into a notoriously tough place to win in Utah. But Miami built up a 27-point lead that seemed insurmountable, like they would coast to an easy win. They were up 20 with just five minutes left, but the Jazz would go on a 18-2 run to cut the lead to just four with a minute left. The Heat made some key stops, got some big free throws from Tyler Hero down the stretch, and escaped, fortunately, with a 111-105 win in Utah. We'll talk about Miami's blown leads later on and an unfortunate trend. But, Wes, any win feels like a good one right about now after a tough three-game losing streak. Yeah, and this one, this was kind of Miami getting back to the formula that helped them win and get off to that hot start before the three-game losing streak, right? They won the rebounding battle by, you know, 48 to 38. Um, They got back into their mid-range game. They got back into getting uh, points in the paint. Uh, you had Tyler Hero kind of have like I know that he was starting for Jimmy Butler, right? Because Jimmy Butler was still out, but getting back to those score like that sixth man of the year type of scoring numbers that we we're used to. Uh Bam out of bio, big contributions on the boards from the passing game. I know you want to talk about that. You're getting contributions from Kyle Lowry. And then the big one, the big one was D- uh Duncan Robinson finally snapping out of that that shooting slump, going six of eleven from three-point range, 22 points from him, eight for 14 overall, had a four assists, four rebounds. Um, just a really efficient game, and it was a game that the Heat really needed. It just felt like, you know, going like that that whole losing streak. It just felt like it was tied to Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson's slump, and that's that's too much to put on Duncan Robinson. Really, what it, I mean, my honest opinion is that Jimmy Butler was out, you know, and and you still were able to, right. uh, you're losing your best player, and you still maintained to play the two LA teams pretty close um, on back to back nights, but. It yeah. just felt like the, the losses were piling up. Duncan Robinson's misses from beyond the arc were piling up. And it just felt like once he broke out of it, the Heat would right. win, right? And it just right. felt like, regardless of Jimmy Butler played or not, and that's exactly what happened. Hey, look, the, that's a good point. Before we talk a little bit more about Duncan, that's a great point because I really do agree. Like, these w- road trips are so difficult for Miami fans to deal with because you're staying up till 10 o'clock, 1030. Uh, that's when tip-off is. And then to, to get yourself emotionally invested in these games – and then to fall short in the fourth quarter, as they often did during this stretch. And, you know, of course, there was the whole fight in Denver against Nikola Jokic and everything else. So much drama. And then Duncan, here he is. He can't make a basket for whatever reason. And look, credit to him and the rest of his teammates. Never lost faith. At least externally, they were very supportive. And I believe that that was the case, that they were all waiting for him to have his breakout. And look. I, I really do think that he just had a really, really good game. But you wrote about it recently that they just had to do things a little differently, try to get him different kind of looks than what he'd been getting. And I went through all of his made shots yesterday. 14 made, sh- well, 14 attempted shots, 8 of 14, as you mentioned before. 
he was two of six in catch and shoots uh, from mostly from the corners, three of four on dribble handoffs. It looked like they were going to that dribble handoff a yeah. lot more. I know they had kind of strayed away from that a little bit, going with uh, Bam Adebayo, who's, again, as you mentioned, his passing has been phenomenal. One-on-one, a pull-up jumper from about 28 to 30 feet out, a phenomenal job of him uh, from just feeling the conference at that point in time. And two of three and cutting drives to the hoop. He had some incredible layups there. Uh, the third one was blocked, but otherwise it just seemed like he was – creating that space he understood exactly how to maneuver his way past Utah's defense so is this the trend moving forward do you think they have to do things a little differently in trying to get those open looks can it change once Jimmy is welcome back to the lineup as of this recording this is late Sunday night he's still listed as questionable for a Monday game against the Oklahoma City Thunder I don't know how much of that is PJ Tucker in the lineup or Kyle Lowry in the lineup or how much of it is the absence of Jimmy but they were making a decided effort to go back to Duncan in these dribble handoff situations. Would you, would you say that that is probably likely to continue in the trend? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, look, Spo over the, the last several years, I mean, the Heat prior to this year led the league in dribble hand, uh, dribble handoffs each of the last two seasons. Um, and I, I know that they've leaned a lot more into isolation. And I still yeah. think you'll see that from Jimmy and Tyler Hero, and that's fine. But I think you need to get ba- – this is less about Duncan, actually, and to me, it's more about Bam. I think you gotta get Bam out of the out of the post. Like I, I know that you know early in the season, oh, wow, he's posting up more. This is really cool. He's got the jabs. He's not a good post player. He's just not. He's no, a he's finesse not. player, and I where he is most comfortable, I think, is running those dribble handoffs because now you're opening up all these things. He's like Lamar Jackson in the read option, right? And he can either do that Bam keeper. He could shoot from out there because we know that he's really confident in that long two uh, jumper. You can obviously hand it off to Duncan Robinson. You make him a little bit more of a, of a hub on offense out there as opposed to in the post where he's had to, uh, a hard time going up against a bigger guy like Jokic. Bigger, like, and when you're going up against a bigger center, say like Joel Embiid in the playoffs, for example, yeah. potentially. like It's just not going to work. I think that and I predicted this. I wrote it up for the West Side. I, I, I said like eventually they're going to figure out that this is just not where he should be playing. And you're going to put him back in his comfort zone. Um, and that's where he is. And so yeah. I actually think it's more to do with him and I think that Duncan is going to be a benefactor of that, right? Because obviously those dribble handoffs weren't happening as much. Um, right. And so Duncan was sort of just left to just kind of pick spots kind of awkwardly. Um, the off-ball movement was there. He wasn't as decisive. Right. Instead of just like uh, making a mad dash to Bam at, uh, up at the top of the key there to get the dribble handoff, he's just sort of like kind of trying to find open space. He's like, all right, maybe I'll go over here. Or maybe I'll go over here, and it was just it was just very indecisive, and for good reason. So um, I, I think that, like I said, I think Duncan's going to be a big benefactor of that because you don't shape your offense around Duncan Robinson. That's the whole point of having a guy like Duncan is that he's supposed to be able to fit anywhere because he's such a great shooter. He is a great shooter, shooting slump or not. Um, but this has more to do with Bam and Duncan just being able to take advantage of that. I don't think it's any coincidence that Bam had his highest assist total of the season exactly. playing against Rudy Gobert. Uh, the fact that he was already pulled away from the paint because he doesn't want to challenge the seven foot five Gobert makes sense because now all of a sudden he's he's working from the elbow. He sees the open court much more clearly, and he had some really fantastic passes. Again, of those Good seven point. assists, four were to Duncan. Three were to Tyler Hero, and a number of those were on Robinson cutting to the hoop. Just Bam surveying the field recognizing the read and look credit to Duncan and hero as well, because they made some great cuts, but it doesn't work without Bam's fantastic passing. So already pulled away from the basket. He didn't shoot as much. He didn't have to, but he could also just create uh, an opportunity for others and change the course of the game because of his incredible passing. Bam's uh, outplayed saw- Gobert in these last two games and getting the sweep over Utah, I think is, is actually pretty, uh, 
indicative of, I think, yeah, yeah, it's telling. I think, yeah, and it's just like where the the strength of this team lies. I know that he. This is just a matchup thing. Miami is just a tough matchup for Utah, and that's showed. Right. But uh, it, it feels like just just play that way, man. It's not like Rudy Gobert is like some like uh, uh, schmuck on defense, right? Like you could do this against other type of centers just because you're like ju- you could be scared of other non Rudy Gobert centers in the post. Like that's right. okay. Play out on the perimeter where you ought to be anyway. Right. Well, a couple other things stood out really quickly. Tyler Hero, I think, had a phenomenal game. Again, just coming off the bench. I mean, I'm sorry, starting in place of Jimmy Butler, embracing that role, looked very comfortable in it, uh, just didn't shy away from anything. And I think he's been improving defensively. I know a lot of people wanted to point out how much of a weak spot he was in years past. I think he's taking a huge turn. I saw him just stay in front of either Mike Conley or Jordan uh, Clarkson on a number of occasions just moved his feet well, was able to use that improved strength, 25 pounds of muscle or whatever it is, to keep up there. And, uh, you know, I just think he's doing a much better job. P.J. Tucker also proving himself incredibly valuable just as a, as a key role player, a guy who does so much defensively. He fans should be in love with what Tucker provides by this point. If they haven't already, they're doing themselves a disservice. But uh, before we move on completely from the Jazz game, this question comes to us from Steve Kolakidis, who writes in, what is with our fourth quarters and squandering leads? Are we just running out of juice? Kyle turned it over a few times there, so it's not just the younger guys. And I think this is a recurring problem. We saw it against the Clippers, of course, when they had a 17-point lead, I believe. And, of course, they wound up squandering that en route to a Clippers win. Uh, but, you know, even Eric Spolstra has talked about it. He said these are high-class problems. This is in his post-game presser following the win in Utah. Learning how to hold leads on the road, I would much rather be in these kinds of positions to be able to figure this out, which we are getting better at than the opposite. Now, that 18-2 run doesn't really indicate that they're getting better at it. They were able to hold on to Spolstra's points. But do you see anything that really stood out to you? Because I rewatched the the late fourth quarter run. Nothing really stood out. It just seemed like there was this lid over the hoop there. They couldn't really knock down a shot. And they just kind of... They, they they were getting good looks. Bam was still the fub, uh, the hub offensively. They just, I don't know, the shots weren't falling. And you have to give credit to Utah. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but Bogdan Bogdanovich caught fire. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, as he's often wont to do, really started to light it up in the fourth quarter as well. I, I didn't see anything else that stood up. And did anything else really stand out to you from that fourth quarter run or any other blown lead that Miami's had? Because they did it twice against Utah. A uh, big part of that was Mitchell's big showing in both those fourth quarters, but they also slipped up against the Clippers. Anything really stands out to you from that? Yeah, I mean, just some quick stats before I kind of dive into what my theory is. And my theory is really simple, David. It's not going to be, it's not something um, particularly, you know, complex here. But first quarter, the Miami Heat are the best team in the league as far as point differential. They're outscoring um, opponents by a, a, a league high plus six points per game in the first quarter. In the second quarter, that goes down to my, they're actually getting outscored by almost two points, 1.9 points in the second quarter. Now, I think a big part of that has to do with recent games, namely that Clippers game where they just got slaughtered in that second quarter, but um, it, ha- it hasn't been good for them in the second quarter. Third quarter, they're uh, they're outscoring again, 2.7 points per game. And then um, in the fourth quarter, they're outscoring opponents by just 0.9 points per game. So for a winning team, you'd think that their fourth quarter numbers would actually be a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. But what that tells me that their second and fourth quarter numbers are their worst numbers. Their first and third quarter numbers are their good numbers. Obviously, you're paying your starters heavy minutes in the first and third quarter. I know that we've, we, we, we've been impressed with some of Miami's depth. Tyler Hero coming off the bench for most of the season has obviously been part of it. Dwayne Dedman giving them good minutes. But I don't think that, like outside of those two guys, 
I have not been super impressed with Miami's depth. Like Caleb Martin is fine. He makes good plays here and there, but he does overextend himself a lot and kind of, you know, creates kind of swing opportunities for the opponent opponent. Max Struess has just been in and out um, mm-hmm. of the line of the lineup and stuff. So, you know, I think that's partly what to do with their bench like that, that beginning of that fourth quarter run there. Uh, Spo does a decent enough job of keeping two of his best four players on the court at all times, but still like you're, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Gabe Vincent minutes. There's a lot of Caleb Martin minutes lately. And that's just, you know, opponents are, are, are just outplaying those lineups. Um, so that's part of it. Um, the larger theory, David, I think is just the fact that uh, the way that teams get back into games is with the three point shot right. and the heat give up a ton of threes. Yes, they and, do. And and so that's that makes sense. Like if a team is 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 falling behind, they're going to press the three point shot a little bit more in order to try to get back into the game. And Miami just gives up a lot of those a lot of those uh, shot attempts. So uh, that gives enough that gives opponents an opportunity to come back. And then for Miami, you're mentioning like how there just appears to be a lid on on the basket. Sometimes they're not a great outside shooting team. And when you kind of mm-hmm. get into those three point shooting types of games. It's a lot of back and forth tennis match kind of stuff. You take a three, I take a three. Like that's how these games end up getting played in that kind of pace with that kind of tempo. And and it's just it's really easy within two or three minutes if Miami just can't get a shot to go in for an opponent to make to to kind of take a twenty point lead and turn it into like an eight point lead, right? It's just it's really easy for them to do that. So that's I think that's why that's why it is. And it doesn't help to have Jimmy Butler out of the lineup too. One of the best right. closers in the game today. And so I, I, I don't know because you know Jimmy was in that game against Utah, that first game here at FTX Arena, and they still wound up having. I think they gave up a twenty to three run at that point in time, eighteen to two yesterday in the Utah win. Something needs to be changed there. Something they need to focus on. And look, to Spoh's point, maybe he's comfortable having the lead in the first place and then wondering whether or not they'll be able to hold on to it. But uh, they have to tighten something up. They have to be able yeah. to make those changes. There's a whole lot of coach speak from Spo there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, well, we'll hear from Nostradamus, uh, Nostradamus next. But before that, let me tell you, NBA fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Prize picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, offering more NBA props than anywhere else and offers all the superstar players as well as the bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. All of your users that deposit and use your promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times at any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out pricepicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And let me also tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. All right. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. It is time for some predictions, David. It's time for Nostradamus to look into the future and make some predictions about this week of Miami Heat basketball. Last week, not a great week, admittedly, for right. Nostradamus, but it was also Nostradamus's. Uh, first week, uh, right. apparently, uh, he likes to speak in third person. 
Um, but <laughs> uh, we're going to make some predictions here. So let me look into the future really quick. Mm. Okay. Mm. Our first prediction. Nothing mm. to do with tonight. No. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to look into the future, into that New Orleans game. We're going to get a random scrub heat killer alert. Uh, and that is going to be for Devontae Graham. Oh. This is all the makings of a random scrub heat killer. A guy who can shoot from outside. A guy who is very streaky as a shooter. A little bit of that kind of little uh, 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 jitterbug, uh, jitterbug type of guard that has given the heat problems. That just sort of uh, like the Malik Monk type guy, kind of guy. I could just see Graham kind of hitting a shooting streak early and then testing that mm-hmm. confidence with a couple of 30-footers later in the game. Uh, I think I, I could I just the random scrub heat killer stuff. The potential here is high for Devontae Graham. Okay, a couple of things to take away for that. One, just looking past the Oklahoma City Thunder game, Nelson Dumbless, yeah. are you predicting a victory or is it just not even worth talking about? I, I have one prediction, it wasn't worth talking. Nelson Dumbless does not predict wins and losses, um, he goes beyond the box score. Um, right. but here's one uh, guaranteed prediction for tonight. Okay. Eric Reed and John Karate will screw up one of these Thunder names because these are two guys. It's a it's a team of no name players that nobody cares about, um, outside of like Shea Gilgis Alexander, and uh, and they play in the Western Conference. So it's not like Eric Reed and John Karate. Look, they do their homework as much as any play by play broadcast crew in the league. But yes. eh, Western Conference team, we know like the next time we even see this team, like half that roster is going to be turned over like maybe this is where we can it's been a long road trip you know maybe we just take the foot off the gas a little bit for this game so there's going to be some mispronunciations so maybe like mistakes maybe that guy for this guy oh i didn't even realize that guy got in the game turns out he's been (laughs) in the game since like the starting lineups were announced but like it's gonna be a lot of that stuff so i i you can look forward to some some so maybe some broadcast screw-ups in terms of a, a, a mispronunciation situation as john crotty would say but uh, as far (laughs) as Devontae graham you know, is he? Can he be a random scrub key killer? Like, I don't want to question somebody with right. your gift, the, the the third eye. But at the same time, like, you know, he seems like he's a little too good. Now, I totally too good to be a scrub. Too good to be a scrub. Interesting. Random, absolutely. Scrub, mm, a little doubtful. But look, you're right about the the heat giving up threes. I'll never forget the great coach Tony Fiorentino. Speaking of broadcasters, talking about the more difficult game after a road trip is the game back, not just the road trip because yeah, you want to go home and everything mm-hmm. else. But you come back for family, people, you know, you got to deal with bills or, or you know, all, mail, all the stuff that you're, you're picking up your kids again. You got to go back and deal with your partners and things of that sort. So that first game back, always a more difficult one to just kind of make an adjustment to. So I can see them kind of taking a step back after a probable win in Oklahoma City, riding high after a two-game road trip, kind of slip up a little bit. Again, build a lead early on in the first quarter at home and then let that slip away. A guy like Devontae Graham seems perfect for that role. So I, I do like that call. I think it's a pretty good prediction there, Nostradamus. I, I like the way you're seeing things. Of course, you know you have the gift. I think everybody on the Pelicans is a scrub. That's <laughs> a scrub team. I think. Look, I, I think Zion Williamson's awesome. I think Brandon Ingram's awesome. I've actually always been a Devontae Graham fan, but yes. that team is really bad. So everybody's just the scrub. The scrub hits everybody. Like you just can't escape the scrub there. All right, it's time for my next prediction. Bam will attempt his first three pointer of the season Whoa. this week. I don't know. Who it's going to be against, David? I don't know when it's going to happen. Even Nostradamus can't tell you. But what Nostradamus can tell you is that it will happen because a few things. I think the Heat are going to be feeling good coming back, getting that road trip out of the way. We're done here. 
Uh, I think Bam, like we were talking about in the, at the, in the first segment against Utah, starting to float maybe back towards the perimeter a little bit more often. Well, mm-hmm. maybe just all it takes is, hey, one step back, take that three. I think it's going to be there. I think it's going to be maybe off of a Duncan Robinson fake handoff. Ooh. He just pulls up from three-point range. I, I see the BAM three-pointer happening. I don't know if it goes in. I haven't seen that far, but it'll it'll get up there. I I have nothing to say to that. I, I, it's just unbelievable. Hasn't taken one all year. Talked about the possibility of stretching the floor a little bit. Wants to be known as a shooter in, in media day, and yet – here we are. Yes, he's expanded the mid-range. He's much more comfortable in that role. But three-point shots, wow. I mean, that's going to that's gonna set Heat Twitter on fire. I can't oh. hardly wait to see it. Uh, final prediction. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, I am. Here we go. Bradley Beal, in one of these two Wizards games coming up, the Heat play the Wizards on Thursday and Saturday. Thursday in Miami, mm-hmm. Saturday uh, in uh, the Capitol. But um, Bradley Beal will, in one of those games put up 45 points. Just going to happen. Wow. That dude is an awesome score. He's going to put up yes. 45. Um, I don't know if that's going to be enough to carry Washington, but they're, they've been good this year. I've been really impressed with some of the depth and, and the way that they've put the roster around Beal and that Russell Westbrook trade, kind of getting him the support that he needs. But that's not the headline here, David. The headline is what the headlines will be from the local papers, local radio shows, all that stuff. It's going to be a whole lot of Bradley Beal and his potential future in Miami, get ready for a whole lot of that talk starting maybe Wednesday, going all the way through the weekend. That's the last prediction I have for you. A lot of Bradley Beal uh, uh, theories and skepticism. I, I've got a prediction for you too, Nostradamus. I know this is kind of unusual because this is, well, this is your bag. This is what you do better than anyone. But I predict I predict the headlines will be coming from the West side. Is it possible that you'll be talking about Bradley Beal's future in Miami? <laughs> Uh, I did start the West side solely to just traffic in clickbait. So <laughs> I just felt like there wasn't enough clickbait in, in normal media. No, so we'll see. Absolutely. No, not. I don't think there'd be a much Bradley Beal stuff from me over there, but um, those sure. the, the people that do tend to like the clickbait stuff, you know who these people are. There's going to be a whole lot of that. It's going to be a whole 90% lot of, percent of our Instagram accounts, yes. certain talking heads and certain local publications it's going to be a whole lot of Bradley Beal stuff. So just get Shout ready out. for that conversation. And, of course, we'll end up having that conversation on Lockdown I, Heat if it gets of loud Of course. I, I can't wait for Clutch Points to have an app with you and your beaded hat <laughs> predicting Bradley Beal joining Miami. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. All right. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's like the 23-minute mark of the podcast here. All right. Here's my prediction. <laughs> Bradley Beal will end up playing for the Miami Heat within the next calendar year. Wow. Unbelievable. Let's leave that. Right. Give that to Clutch yeah. Points. Aggregate <laughs> that. All right. That's a good way to end the segment. Uh, we'll t- uh, Coming up next, uh, we've got our Mad Monday segment and our Heat Wave of the Week. But first, let's talk about our friends at Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving. All of the good food and treats, plenty of them. But maybe... Mm. You want a yummy dessert, but that isn't so full of calories and sugar. This is a perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories. That's on the low end. Um, Definitely my pies have more. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and with plenty of protein. This is a healthy treat that you can use to replace that coconut cream pie instead with a coconut Built Bar. Go for the Raspberry Built Bar, one of my favorites, instead of that Raspberry Pie. Uh, raspberry pie lots of good flavors to replace any pie they should put that on the box low mm-hmm. calorie low carb low fat high protein covered in 100 
Real chocolate built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a built bar or two right now. Share some of your family gatherings. It will help things let get uh it'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a built bar yet. You can give her one and now you have a conversation starter. New surprises yeah. all month. Limited time flavors arriving at built.com regularly. So make sure to check out the site often. There's nothing like like a built bar Black Friday. So mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. So here's our offer to you. Go to built.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off on your next order. Use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show. And as always, please leave a review. We couldn't do this show without you. And so from time to time, we want to shout out a special supporter of the show. A wave hello that we see you and we appreciate you. Today's heat wave goes out to Maxwell Marshall, a longtime listener who is also a contributor over at All You Can Heat over at Fansided, which coincidentally is where our podcasting career first kicked off yeah, years ago nice. max uh, always in the dm sending suggestions he always listens to other podcasts as well which we can't hold against him but he listens to other podcasts and says you know what's going on with heat nation always writes some good content as well so shout out to you max thank you so much for always listening to the show that's right yeah all you can heat man throwback yeah. website there yeah good times good yeah. times uh, I know a lot of people want to critique the clickbait mentality here. I, 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 there's a psychic going around here somewhere <laughs> criticizing some local places. We perfected it over at All You Can Heat. Damn right. Top five <laughs> reasons to listen to Locked on Heat, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, it's also time for Monday Madness. Hate starting off the week angrily, but sometimes you've just got to vent a little bit. And my well, what grinds my gears right now more than anything else is the reaction to Gabe Vincent, even from you, Wes, hearing you talk about Vincent earlier and watching the Twitter timeline during mm -hmm. any game that Gabe plays significant minutes. And I'm not sure exactly what people expect from him because he is playing phenomenal defense. I think he's been so good at just being a pest out on the perimeter. I saw one play in particular against the Jazz where uh, Max Struess, Everybody's favorite darling wound up blowing a, a coverage there. He wound up doubling somebody needlessly and then freeing somebody up on the perimeter, leaving Rudy Gobert unchallenged in the paint. And who, who took him on? Gabe Vincent, all whatever, 5'11", six feet of him, challenging Rudy Gobert. Gobert threw Vincent down to the floor, drew the offensive foul. Fantastic play from him. I think part of the concern is that he was somewhat billed as a shooter when he first joined the team, and he has not been. I understand there are concerns there. He's not Kyle Lowry. He's not a Hall of Fame point guard. He's not even Goran Dragic, who wound up earning everybody's love and respect here in Miami after seven seasons. But he's a pretty damn good backup point guard. I know that the Heat have also brought in uh, Marcus Garrett from the Sioux Falls Skyforce. He's on a two-way contract. He's going to be joining the team in Oklahoma City. But I still think Vincent gets the bulk of the minutes there. It just upsets me that people can't appreciate Vincent for what he does well when they're so busy trying to see what he does poorly. Look, you're right. He does a few things well. He also does a lot of things poorly. <laughs> I'm just I'm just calling him as I see him, David. Like he is uh, lowest on the Miami Heat's roster in PER. He's got the worst PER of anybody on the rotate in the regular rotation. Uh, he's uh, the only player in the regular rotation with a negative plus minus. I, 
I think there are things about Gabe Vincent's game that I like. He's 25 years old. He's going to continue to grow uh, as, he, as his basketball career uh, continues. But right now, he's not an awesome basketball player. And I, whenever the big runs against the Heat happen, he just tends to be on the floor. It doesn't make it his fault. Maybe it's just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But he's got something to do with it. He's only one of the five players that play for the Heat on the court at that point. So um, it's not like, – again, it's not a personal thing with Gabe Vincent. I just think they could probably use an upgrade at that spot. And I think it's pretty obvious. So I'm, I'm – I'm with you as far as it's not it's not Gabe Vincent's fault that he's Gabe Vincent. I guess that sounds like really bad, but yes, um, it does. <laughs> but he, he, there are things you like. I mean, that that's who he had the steal on Paul George the other night. It was somebody like that. Uh, yeah, and and it was just he, he's able to make these defensive plays, and there's flashes that you like. I just think that the Heat are putting a little bit too much on him right now. I also don't think that he has to be that good like i mean you've got a pretty good team you've got you know your contributions coming from elsewhere miami's bench units overall have been pretty solid mostly because of that tyler hero kid so Mm -hmm. the the expectations of vincent i think are a little too high and his performance has actually been solid now i understand it's somewhat disappointing but i think that's all about managing your expectations and at the same time i think again the fact that he's providing that kind of effort like i feel like eric reed has to kind of overcompensate a little bit because he was just nonstop talking about vincent's defense and things of that sort because i think he hears all the complaints from heat fans out there about what vincent can't do and instead we're we're not looking at what he does do well but anyway let's move on uh from to this espn report from adrian wojnarowski that the nba as in now in advanced stages of their investigation on Miami's tampering charges tied to the acquisition of Kyle Lowry this past offseason. The NBA has conducted numerous interviews with team executives and player agents and has gathered electronic messaging of front office executives of four teams, Chicago, New Orleans, Miami, and Toronto, over the past three months, and the league could reveal its findings and any penalties in the near future. Nostradamus, you should have made a prediction about that. Penalties include a maximum of a $10 million fine, the suspension of team executives, which I have no idea what the hell that means, and the forfeiture of draft picks that Miami doesn't own. Wes, big deal or no big deal? Like, what do we make of this? Because it just seems like this is the report leading up to the report about the report. Oh, this is one of those classic, like, non-update update things. It's like, yep, still happening, and they're getting closer to something else. They really are. It's going to happen, yeah. Uh, it's still going to happen. Uh, look, this is a big deal as far as – the report itself I, is not a big deal. Like I said, it's a non-update update, um, whatever. But the fact that there is a tampering investigation happening and it, and it appears at least that the NBA is actually doing an investigation and not just be like, yeah, we're looking into it. And, like, that's to me the takeaway here is, like, they're, at, they're, they're putting the work into it. And uh, that means it's a big deal. That means that the NBA is trying to crack down, at least on this specific instance, uh, regarding the Bulls and regarding uh, the Heat and, and their acquisitions over the summer. Um, and if, like, I'd be shocked if the Heat walked away from this without any penalty, right? They probably will lose something. They probably will be fined some way. There'll be a slap on the wrist. It won't be huge. It won't be egregious, but it will be a warning sign to Miami and to other teams around the league. Like, you know what? We're actually going to do something about this. We're we're standing up for ourselves. Like we actually do care about tampering. And then it'll all happen again next summer. But that's but the, the Heat will get a slap on the wrist in some way, shape, or form, and it'll hurt. It'll hurt somebody's uh, bank account, or it might hurt Miami's draft capital. As you said, it's like good luck taking something away that we don't have. Like right. okay, 
Um, but something something will happen, and that to me is the interesting takeaway. How do you how do you suspend an NBA executive? What are you going to tell Pat Riley not yeah. to make a call or something? Like, no, no, don't you show say, up for that meeting. Yeah, no, you can't show up to the office for a week or something, and you lose and you and you lose pay just like anybody else. Yeah, he was in Los Angeles for the two back to back games. He's he's not in the office. Like, I don't know where wait, you're suspending. Wait, just him doesn't. From, they'll never. They won't be Pat Riley. It'll be like uh, they'll have to. It'll be like some sort of sacrificial lamb. Like they'll have to like. Oh. Could like, it be Spo? No, no, it'll be like no, it'll be somebody in the family. It'll be like Nick Arison or something. They'll be like he'll be fine. Just like he can yeah. lose a week's paycheck, it'll be okay. All right, well that's, that's you guys got to uh, put a, you got to put a face on it. Much ado about nothing. Bucks fans will certainly be held, you know, I'm pretty happy because of the whole uh, Bojan Bogdanovic fiasco from oh. last summer. But uh, I think most people really didn't care. In fact, I, I kind of just hoped that maybe this would had gone all the way and, and, and nothing this is would happen. Boring man, like I, what NBA fan cares about any of this? Like. It, I understand if you're like, if you're a small, yeah, if you're a small market team, you're like, come on, like, yeah, like stick it to the big markets. It's like, all right. And then you get it. And then you just move on with your, like, nobody, I don't think anybody actually cares about this. Like nobody's like sitting around waiting for this report to come out. I just think it's like a talking point for social media. Who cares about this stuff? Let's play basketball. Absolutely. And that'll do it for today's episode. We'll have your recap of the game against the Oklahoma City Thunder on Tuesday before opening up the mailbag later on this week. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show, so make sure you subscribe to get the best coverage available. Make sure to also check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B.